Welcome to Forgotten Scotland, Curious Tales from a Wee Country. This is episode two, The East Weems Murder, Done to Death. Friday was wages day at the Johnston Linen Works, the second biggest employer next to coal mining in the Fife village of East Weems. Situated a few miles to the northeast of Krakodi, on the banks of the Firth of Forth. Friday, February 9th, 1909, started no differently. The process of obtaining the wages from the bank in neighbouring Buckhaven was a well-known routine. Although difficult to comprehend now, back then the responsibility for collecting the money and transporting it safely to the factory was delegated to a 15-year-old apprentice clerk, Michael Swinton Brown, known around the village as Mickey. Mickey had started working for Johnson's two years previously upon leaving the village school, initially as an office boy. Always smartly turned out, he had proven himself to be a fine asset to the company and was well liked by everyone. At 10.30am that morning, Mickey collected a bank book and cheque payable for £85, almost £11,000 today, from senior partner of the firm James Johnson and made his way up a normally busy thoroughfare called School Wind to catch the Buckhaven tram on Station Road, just a few yards from where he lived with his parents. The tram journey was a short one, and by 11.20am Mickey was in Buckhaven. He completed his business at the bank, leaving there a few minutes later with a leather bag containing the £85 in cash, a mixture of notes and coins. At 11.45, Mickey boarded the tram back to East Weems, unaware that his movements had been watched and he was now being followed. At 11.54am, the tram stopped on Station Road near the entrance to School Wind. Mickey alighted, followed by Alexander Edmonston, a 23-year-old carter who lived in the village but who had fallen on hard times after leaving work in the coal mine due to persistent head pains and then being fired from his job at a brewery in Weems. There were plenty of people around that day and several witnesses saw Edmonston, some even engaging him in conversation. Making his way down school wind behind Mickey, he was passed by two men who recognised him and was even seen walking alongside the boy just yards from where the murder occurred by a local woman looking out of her kitchen window. Unfortunately, she did not sense anything wrong with the scene and looked away before anything untoward happened. Partway down School Wind, just before it crossed the back burn, lay a public lavatory with high stone walls. It was into this that Edmonston dragged Mickey and started a vicious assault. Mickey put up a terrific fight to protect both the company's wages and his life, and enraged Edmonston, much the larger of the two, resorted to violence almost unimaginable in its scale. He repeatedly smashed Mickey's head off of the toilet walls, before dragging him into an enclosed area when he heard footsteps passing. There he strangled him with a handkerchief and in a final degrading act, shoved Mickey's cap down the boy's throat. Edmonston had taken several minutes to carry out his terrible deed and was actually heard by a man called Edward Ross, who was making deliveries for a bakery. He was intrigued by strange noises coming from the area of the lavatory. Ross had a look inside the entrance but claimed he saw nothing which seems unlikely, as there was a considerable amount of blood found in that area. A short time later, a young boy playing in the wind discovered Mickey's body and summoned help. A policeman was quickly on scene, 
and although the situation was clearly hopeless, could not accept that the boy was beyond help. He summoned a doctor and performed CPR for some time before the doctor arrived and led the young constable away in tears. Such were Mickey's injuries that he could not be identified initially. His body was conveyed through the cemetery to the mortuary, where William Johnson, the other senior partner of the linen works, eventually decided it must be their boy after seeing items in his possession. Mickey's mother found out his fate from a schoolboy she questioned and after collapsing in the street had to be carried home where she remained bedridden for several days. Mickey's father was working in the neighbouring Colton of Weems and ran all the way home. The linen factory quickly emptied as news of the murder spread and Mickey's workmates congregated and school wind barely able to comprehend the tragedy. No one returned to work that day. It soon became clear that the wages bag was missing and Edmonston had also helped himself to Mickey's silver watch and chain. He was quickly identified as a prime suspect in the case and the hunt to find him began. Edmonston had already passed through the cemetery by the time Mickey's body was taken there, fleeing the scene. At Old Court Cave, he emptied the leather bag of the wages and hid it between some rocks. From there, he headed to Falkland, where he borrowed a brush to clean himself up from a woman working on a farm. She noted dark stains on the knees of his trousers, and he remarked that he doubted they would come out. It was around 3pm and Edmiston was quickly on his way, next stopping at Strathmiglo. There, he entered a draper's shop and spent a large amount of the money on new clothes, including a suit and an overcoat. He spent so much that the proprietor gifted him a tie. By that evening, Edmiston had checked into a temperance hotel in Perth, while back in East Weems, police and locals continued to search for the murderer and any clues. The leather bag Mickey had been carrying was soon discovered, as was the envelope containing the chequebook lying near Macduff Castle. Edmiston realised he had to keep moving, and the following day made his way to Glasgow, where he carried out what he hoped would be a plan to throw police off his scent. After telling the landlady of the lodgings where he was staying that he was going for a walk, Edmonston travelled to Paisley, where he left a fake suicide note admitting to the murder tied to a bridge over the river cart. When found, the police took a while to decide what to do before finally dredging the river. Meanwhile, Edmonston was now south of the border in Manchester. Two parcels which he had left on his bed at the lodgings in Glasgow were opened by the landlady and found to contain bloodstained clothes. Mickey Brown was laid to rest on the 22nd of February in East Weems and there wasn't a space to be had. Shops closed for the day and the linen factory ceased production early. Several thousand crowded into the village cemetery. Wanted posters for Edmonston were by now all over the globe while he made a new life for himself in Manchester under the name Albert Edwards. By keeping the same initials, he could explain away the letters A-E tattooed on his arm. Edmonston pretended to have a job he went to each day, but it soon became clear to those he befriended that he wasn't short of money and had a considerable amount of free time on his hands. A peddler named John Atherton was a fellow resident where Edmonston was staying and became suspicious when he noticed a wanted poster at the local police station on two occasions while he was there making inquiries about obtaining a peddler's licence. Eating with Edmonston one day, Atherton asked him the time. 
Edmondson pulled out the watch he had taken from Mickey Brown and which was described on the poster and sealed his own fate. Police were summoned and on March 23rd Edmondston was arrested. He gave himself up quietly and was soon transported back to Scotland, first to Cooper and then to Perth Prison. Bay and crowds met his arrival in Fife and would clearly have been happy to deal out their own retribution on the killer. Edmondston's trial opened on the 8th of June. His plea of not guilty due to insanity was never likely to succeed and the jury did not retire for long. Perhaps the most pitiful scene was Edmondston's mother appearing as a witness for the defence and trying her best to keep her son from the gallows. It was all to no avail. While awaiting his execution date, Edmiston was visited by his parents at Perth Prison. Grasping his mother's hand through the wire and metal separating them, he asked for their forgiveness. The Edmonstons were not an affluent family, and a collection among local ladies had raised money to pay for their train fare to Perth. On July 6th, 1909, Edmonston rose early, was joined in prayer by the prison chaplain and ate a hearty breakfast before his 8am appointment with hangman John Ellis. On his way to the gallows, Edmonston expressed his thanks for the kindness shown to him by the prison staff and was heard repeating a line of prayer, Lord have mercy upon my soul, before the lever was pulled and he dropped to an instantaneous death. A large crowd had gathered outside the prison to see the black flag being hoisted to signify that the sentence had been carried out. Edmonston was buried within the prison walls with just his initials and date as a marker. Today, a small plaque on School Wind remembers Mickey Brown at the part of the road where the murder occurred. The sealed-up toilet block is not the original one from 1909, but it's not hard to imagine the area back then. It's an episode which has haunted the village ever since. We would recommend tracking down a copy of Dark Skies Over School Wind by Dominic Curry for more information about the East Weems murder. <laughs>